Anybody excited for New Year's Eve? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. It's just, I mean, honestly, does anybody get really jazzed for New It just feels like an obligation. What am I supposed One person. All right. Good. Enjoy it. To me, it's just like, what, do I have to stay up late and bang pots and pans and watch something drop? Whatever. But New Year's Eve, yeah, it's, it's worth celebrating. Let's try to muster up some enthusiasm. We'll do our best. We'll see what happens. But New Year's Eve, it's one of these times. Anybody doing New Year's re- resolutions? Anybody? Round of applause. Who's doing resolutions? Round of applause. Who's doing them? All right, what are they? Let's go around the room. Tell us your resolutions. Won't that be fun? Now, I'm a big fan of, like, setting goals, and the New Year's resolution thing is great, and sometimes people do it for, like, their birthday or the start of a new quarter or whatnot. I've got a friend on Facebook, kind of in real life, but mostly on Facebook, and he's one of these really goal-oriented guys. Do you know anybody like this who's got goals for every quarter? He's, like, in finance, so he thinks in terms of quarters, a financial quarter, and he reads all these books, and here are the books I'm going to read this quarter. Here, like, dude, just Slow down, man. You know what I mean? It's tough not to be jealous of guys like that. That's awesome. I love the idea of setting goals. So important. Have some professional goals. Have some life goals. Have some relationship goals. There's all kinds of goals you can have. So we're going to talk about goals today. More specifically, we're going to talk about how to have success in reaching your goals, in achieving your goals. That's what we're talking about this morning is achieving your goals, having success in reaching those goals that you set for yourself. Now, I've shared this with you before. Um, over the years, I've had a lot of strange jobs, and one job I had, this is just weird how this came about. I'm not going to give you the whole story because it's dreadfully boring, but I was, um, I was directing a play. Here we are in a theater. I was directing a play for children, and when I say for children, I don't mean it was a bunch of adults performing for kids. It was a children's play. It was children in the play, which was a unique experience and a unique challenge, and so I was directing this play. And uh, working with all these kids, and some of them were like accomplished child actors, I guess you could say, like they knew how to hit their mark, and they knew how to memorize their lines and all this, but you also had a lot of new kids to this program, and so we're doing this play, we're doing this rehearsals, and we go through this process, and we rehearsed for like, I think it was like the better part of a year just to put on a show for two weekends, right? It was mostly about learning acting and all that, and so we're going through this process, and the big concern that kept coming up was what happens, Josh, what happens if I forget my lines, right? That was the question I got week after week after week, and as the performance got closer, I kept getting asked that question, what happens if we forget our lines? What do we do then? Because that's what child actors were concerned about. They weren't concerned about, well, how do I really engage in this moment and create a realistic, no, they weren't worried about that. They were worried about memorizing their lines, and who can blame them? And so when I would get that question, I would give them one of two responses, neither of which were very helpful. My first response, I would say, is, well, don't forget your lines, right? What happens if I forget mines? Don't forget, right? And the other thing I found myself saying this time and time again, I kept hearing myself say this over and over again. I said, we don't plan to fail. We plan to succeed, right? We don't plan to fail we plan to succeed. And that's a little piece of advice I picked up somewhere along the way. I can't give you a work site because I don't remember where I read that or who said that to me, but it makes sense, right? You don't plan to fail. Well, what happens if I mess up? Don't plan to mess up. Don't plan for that. Plan to succeed. But so often, so often we do just that. We plan to fail, or maybe not plan to fail. We set ourselves up for failure, or we enable failure when we set goals for ourselves. It's like we give ourselves this option of not succeeding. We give ourselves this option of an an out and not reaching our goals. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about, okay? And so you've set New Year's resolutions for yourself. Some of you have done that. That's great. That's wonderful. Here's one thing that we do sometimes to set ourselves up for failure. You know what we do? We keep our goals a secret. 
You keep them a secret. No one else knows. And that's one way that we set ourselves up for failure. If you don't tell anybody else, guess what? Then no one's going to know when you fail to reach your goal. And no one's going to call you out on it. No one's going to hold you accountable to it. Accountability, that's a fun thing, isn't it? No one's going to hold you to your goals as long as you keep them to yourself, right? And so if you're the only one who knows what your goals are, you have the complete control over editing your goals as time goes on, right? And you can change them and modify them and mix them up a little bit, right? It's like the guy who decides that he's going to quit drinking this year. This is going to be the year I'm going to quit drinking this year. And then that first Friday rolls around in January. I said, well... You know what? On Fridays, I'm going to just, Fridays are going to be my only day that I drink, right? I made it through the work week. I don't have to be up early. And so I'm going to just, going to, just going to edit my goal a little bit. And then Saturday rolls around. I was like, well, you know what? Just weekends. Just weekends. I'm going to change my goal a little bit. I'm just going to make it weekends. And of course, holidays, also holidays. And then when I'm on vacation and whenever else I feel like it, right? And so by the end of the year, the goal is completely dissolved, right? Because there's, he hasn't told anybody and there's no one to help hold him accountable. And so what I would say is this if you've got some kind of goal, Tell somebody what your goal is. If you have some kind of resolution, it doesn't have to be a New Year's thing. If you've got some kind of personal life goal, share it with somebody else. Not just anybody else. Share it with someone who loves you and who wants to see you succeed, right? Who wants to see you succeed. And I kind of joke around about accountability, but accountability is a beautiful thing. To have somebody on your side rooting for you, wanting you to succeed. Now, sometimes people take to social media on Facebook or whatnot. They'll kind of post their goals or post their resolutions. And that's fine. You can do that. But that's not the same as telling a person in your life, right? Because telling everybody is a lot like telling nobody, right? Because who on social media is going to make a note of that? It's like, you know, I'm going to follow up with this person in a few weeks to make sure they're, you know, it doesn't work that way. So tell somebody in your life. Now, if you don't have anybody like that in your life, like a friend that you could count on who's going to help keep you accountable, who's going to help you succeed in reaching your goal, maybe that should be your resolution for 2019 is to make a friend, right? To make a good friend who's on your side, who's rooting for you, right? That's a fine goal to have. Make a friend who's going to be on your side. Now, some of you, some of you are going to be doing this thing in 2019, or you're going to be reading the Bible. That's your goal. You're going to read this thing all the way through in chronological order. Some of you, maybe many of you, maybe most of you, I don't know how many, but some of you are going to be doing this thing. So if you have decided to make this one of your goals for 2019, make sure you've told somebody else about it. Share that with somebody else, right? Share it with someone who loves you, who cares about you, who wants, who wants to see you succeed. Don't tell that person who doesn't care if you read it. I mean, there's people in your life who don't want you to read the Bible. Don't tell that person. Tell somebody who's on your side who's going to help keep you accountable. And so when it comes to setting goals, when it comes to achieving our goals, one thing we need to do and really should do is share your goals, right? Share your goals with somebody else who's going to help you succeed in reaching those goals. You guys already knew that, didn't you, right? That's like 90% of my job is just telling people stuff they already know. I don't know why more people don't do this. It's really easy, right? You just tell people stuff they already know. Here's another way. Here's another way that we set ourselves up for failure, okay? There's a lot of things we do, a lot of things we should do that we don't do. Here's another way. Sometimes I'm going to give you some cliches today. You ready for this? You're going to love them. It's like New Year's time, time for cliches. Sometimes the way that we plan to fail is by not planning to succeed. Sometimes the ways that we plan to fail is by not planning to succeed. There's that old saying. Have you heard it? Let me make sure I get this right. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Did you guys know that one? That's a classic gem, isn't it? Don't you love that, right? When you fail to plan... You plan to fail. And so if you have a goal, a resolution, but no plan behind it, guess what? 
you've set yourself up for failure. You need to have a goal, not just a goal, but you need to have a plan to reach your goal. What's the other saying? Oh, I love this one. A goal without a plan is just a wish, right? A goal without a plan is just a wish. Look at our note takers jotting that down. I tell you it every year about this time, right? A goal without a plan, it's just a wish because that's all it is, right? And if you've got it, okay, here's my goal. I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. What's the plan? Not sure. I'm just going to go. Which days are you going? I don't know. What time of day, morning or night? I don't know any of that, but my goal is to do this. Well, come on, have a plan, right? A goal without a plan is just a wish. Now, to our Bible readers this year, of course, I'm going to, you think I was going to mention this this Sunday? It's our last Sunday before this Bible reading starts. To our Bible readers, those of you who have, have this goal of reading the whole Bible in chronological order over the year, you need, to have, you need to have a plan, right? You need to have a plan to do this. You need to have a time and a space and all these things in mind. Where are you going to be doing your Bible reading? Where is that going to happen? What does your household look like? I mean, where are you going to be able to find that time during your day? Is it in the evening? Is it in the morning? Is it on your lunch break? Where are you going to find that time? And where in your house or where in your workspace or where in your office? I mean, what do you need to do? You know what it's like in your house. How crazy? How much noise is there in your house? Do you have kids running around? Where are you going to find that time and that space to do that? Maybe you need to just leave the house and go to work early and sit in your car and read the Bible there because that's the only place you can get some peace and quiet. I don't know. But find that place and find that time. Now, I'm a big believer. Listen, you don't have to do this. I'm a big believer in making that devotional time or that Bible reading time to do that first thing in the morning. Okay, I believe in that. I think there's wisdom to that. Throughout the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we do see this principle of first fruits, giving the first and the best to God. That's an important thing. We give our first and our best to God. That's why we gather together on Sunday morning. It's part of the reason why. It's the first part of the week we're dedicating to God. We're worshiping Him first because guess what? He's the most important thing in our lives. He's the most important one in our lives. And so we gather together, we make Him a priority, and that's just how it is. And so there is a wisdom to reading first thing in the morning. First thing, I'm going to give that first piece of my day to God. Can you use the restroom first? Yes. Can you have a cup of coffee first? Sure, if that's what it takes, right? But to give that first part of your day to God. And I tell you what, there's something wonderful that happens, and this isn't like a magical, mystical thing that happens. It's just if when you start on that right foot, when you start with Jesus, if you start with the Word of God, other things in your life seem to fall in place a little bit better, more organized, make more sense. You've experienced this? When you start with God, everything else, it's just you get a new perspective, a fresh perspective on your day, and you start your day off remembering, okay, I know who God is, and I'm important to God, and I'm precious to God, and I'm loved by God, and here's how I'm starting my day, and whatever else happens in your day, you've started out the right way, right? There's another great reason why we should read in the first thing in the morning is because, like, let's say, I don't know, let's say all the power goes out, and you lose your phone, and you sleep in late. Oh, no, Okay. Well, you can always try to work it in at lunchtime or at the end of the day. If you plan to read at the end of the day and you fall asleep early, well, then you're a day behind, right? So there's wisdom. So there's wisdom to doing this thing first thing in the morning, okay? And so we don't want to plan to fail. We want to plan to succeed. And so whatever your goal is, and maybe you're not doing the whole chronological Bible reading challenge. Maybe you're not doing that this year. That's fine. Maybe you've got a different goal. But whatever your goal is, we need to have a plan, right? Because a goal without a plan is just a wish. Right? That's all it is. Right? Another thing we do, another reason, another way that we set ourselves up for failure is this. We make our goals too vague. Right? If you want to succeed in your goal, it needs to be specific. Right? 
So many New Year's-related goals are tied to, like, fitness or diet or stuff like that. I say, well, my goal for 2019 is to get healthier. What is that? <laughs> what does that look like? How do you measure that? You know what I mean? Well, I'm just going to get healthier. Like, what do you mean? Are you trying to gain weight? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you going to, no, I'll just get healthier. What does that mean, right? You need to have a specific goal. What is the goal you're trying to reach? Again, well, I want to hit the gym three days a week. Great. I want to read these 12 books. Great. You know what I mean? Have some kind of specific idea of what your goal is that you can articulate. Now, let's go back to our Bible readers for the year. <laughs> Those of you who are doing this thing, the Bible reading challenge, you may think that's a pretty specific goal, isn't it, right? The specific goal is I'm going to read this entire book, the Bible, in a year in chronological order. That's pretty specific, right? That's a specific goal. But what about this? What if somebody asks you why? What if somebody says to you, why are you reading the Bible in a year? Why are you doing that? How would you answer that question? Now, I know what some of you would say. Some of you would say, well, you know what? Because my pastor encouraged me to do this, and I just do whatever my pastor says. I just, I, I submit to his authority, and I know that God has given me a pastor to look out for me, and so whatever my pastor, no one was going to say that? Yeah, I know. But how would you, but seriously, how would you answer that question if someone were to ask you, why are you reading the Bible this year? How would you answer that? Maybe you would say, well, I just, I want to get to know what this book says, and I've, I've never read it before. Maybe you would say, well, because I want to better understand God and what, it, what He's all about, or I want to better understand life, or I want to better understand me, or I want to better understand humankind, or I don't know. How would you answer that question? What's your specific goal? I mean, you set the goal of reading the Bible, but, but why? Why are you reading the Bible? And that's a question I'd like you to hold on to and consider. Take a look at this scripture passage that Josh read for us from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And to give you some context about what's going on here, and so here we are, it's the nation of Israel. Moses was the first real leader of this nation. Moses has led these people out of Egypt. Moses was to lead these people to the promised land, but he doesn't make it into the promised land, right up to the border. Long story. You'll, you'll read it for yourself. And so here's Moses. Moses has died, but Moses had an aide named Joshua, kind of a sidekick, you know, the Robin to his Batman, if you want to think of it that way, which I do. Anyway, so Joshua was there, and Joshua and Moses, you get the idea about these two, that, that they were different, they had different personalities. They weren't the same person, right? And so Moses was gifted in certain ways, and Joshua was gifted in other ways, and, and Moses was a man of the law. I mean, God gave Moses the law, and, and Moses made sure that, you know, the first five books in our Bible, Moses was the one who made sure that all that stuff was written down, and so Moses was an organizer and a leader of the people and a spiritual leader. Well, Joshua had different gifts and different strengths and different weaknesses, and Joshua was a military man. He was a courageous guy. He was a strategic guy. At least that's my impression of who he is and what he's about. And so there's some history with Joshua, and there was Joshua, and there were Caleb, and about 40 years prior to all this is written, there was men. Do you guys know this story? Are you going to read it? You're going to love it when you read it this year. These guys go in, 40 years before this happens, these guys go in, and they see the enemy, and they're afraid of the enemy, but Joshua and Caleb are the only ones who have faith and believe that we can conquer the enemy in God's name, and so it's a whole long story. You're going to love it. And so Joshua's a man of faith. He's a man of courage. He's a military man. He's a man of strategy. And so his boss, his leader, Moses, dies. And now all eyes are on him. Because they know he's our leader now, okay? 
And I don't know, I mean, you got to think about when that something like that happens. Have you had this happen? Maybe like in the workplace where you get a new boss, it's like, okay, what's this guy going to be like? Or what's she going to be like? What's going to happen here? I don't know. Different leadership. Leadership is changing hands. Maybe people wanted Joshua to be like Moses and he just wasn't. I don't know. Regardless, here we are in this moment. And so God, the same God that led Moses, the same God that spoke to Moses, speaks now to Joshua. He says, be strong and very courageous which I find interesting right off the bat, and that's not the first time that God says this to Joshua. I find that interesting because I think that Joshua was these things already. He was strong. He's shown that. He was courageous. He's proven his courage already. And so here's God saying, be what you are. <laughs> Live into who you are. Be strong and courageous. Continues on. Be careful. I kind of like to stop there. If you just go, be strong, be courageous, be careful. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. That's important. And so Joshua did not have what we have. We have this whole complete canon. We have the Bible. We have Old Testament. We have New Testament. We have the whole thing. You know what Joshua had? He had five books. Most of those books were law and history of the people. That's what he had. And God says to him, be careful to obey some of the... Wait, no. All... The law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Joshua, you're in charge now, but that doesn't mean that you have the right to edit what I gave Moses. You can't. You can't change my law. Stick to it. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Stay in this word. Meditate on it. There's this idea of chewing over, come, you know, that chewing thing, that contemplate, the mental chewing, and look ridiculous when I do it. It's like a cow chewing cud. You know what I mean? Meditate on it. Chew on it. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. There's a promise here, a conditional promise that God gives to Joshua. It's a conditional promise. He says, Joshua, you stay in this book of law. You ground yourself in this book of law. You stay in this word. You read it. You meditate on it. You do that. If you do that, then you will be prosperous. If you do that, then you will be successful. Now, this is a very specific word of God to a specific, one specific individual, one human being, and God makes this promise to. But I believe that there's a principle here that transfers over to us. When we do the same thing that God commanded Joshua to do, when we ground ourselves in the word of God, we will be successful and prosperous. Let me tell you something I believe, and maybe it's a little bit radical, maybe it's a little bit edgy, but listen to this. I believe that God does want us to be successful and prosperous. Let me define that, though, okay? <laughs> because there's this whole thing, you've heard of like the, what do they call it, the prosperity gospel? Is that what it's called? The whole thing is like, well, if you do certain things God tells you to do, you'll be rich. I'm not saying that at all, okay? I believe God wants us to be successful and prosperous in life, but God defines success differently than the world defines Success. Success in life means living a life worth living. 
Serving a cause worth serving. Accomplishing work that's worth accomplishing. That kind of success and prosperity in life. Not about accumulating wealth, not about accumulating power or position, how the world would define success. No, 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 that's not about that. It's a godly brand of success. Because you can reach all kinds of worldly success, but make it to the end of your days with a whole lot of regret. And here's how I would define it. This is just me, so you know, take this for what it's worth. But here's how I would define godly success and godly prosperity. It's being able to make it to the end of your days without regret. Not saying, oh, I wish I would have spent more time helping others. Oh, I wish I would have invested more in my relationships. Oh, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. No, no, no. Being able to make it to the end of your days without regret. Now, that's godly success and prosperity. And God promises this one man, Joshua, if you do these things, you will be successful. Now, Joshua had a specific call. He had a specific mission a very difficult task, a bloody task of going to war and leading the Israelites in the army. And step one of the strategy, and there was more strategy that followed in terms of assembling teams and going and all that, but step one of the strategy was ground yourselves in the Word of God. Here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying, desperately trying to make today. Here's the point. I want you to be successful those of you who are doing this whole Bible reading plan, or if you've, got, if you've got some New Year's resolutions that honor God, I want you to be successful in those. If you've got some goals that honor God, I want you to be successful in those goals. If you've got goals that don't honor God, if, you're like, if your goal is just to be mean to people this year and try to make more enemies, I don't, I don't want you to be successful in that. But if you've got some God-honoring goals, I want you to be successful in them. And if you're doing this, this crazy, wild countercultural thing. If you've got this goal of reading the whole Bible this year, I want you to be successful in reading your Bible, right? Somebody put that on the front page of the paper. Pastor wants people to read Bible. Yeah, great. How controversial is that? Not really, right? I want you to be successful in that. But here's what's more important. God wants you to be successful in life. God wants you to be successful in in this life that he has given you to accomplish the work that he has given you to do, to live into the calling that he's put upon your life, to live into your destiny, to live into this thing that Jesus calls the abundant life. So why are we reading the Bible this year? A lot of wonderful, valid, accurate answers you could give to that question. I'm reading it just because I never have and I want to. I'm reading it because I want to be better informed. I'm reading it because I want to know God. I'm reading it because I know it's the revelation of God and I want to, know, I want to understand that revelation. All wonderful answers you can give, but another answer you can give to the question of why are we reading the Bible is because we want to be successful in this life that God has given us. We want to live into the calling that Christ has laid upon our hearts. And so we're going to ground ourselves, just like Joshua did, we're going to ground ourselves in this book so we can live into that specific godly brand of success and prosperity, the kind of success and prosperity that God wants for us. That's why we're doing this. That's, this is not just, listen, listen, listen. This isn't just let's read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible. We're all Christians. It's supposed to be important. Let's, no, 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 no. More, it's more than that. We're not just reading it. We're reading it so that we can live it out. And so, whatever your goals are this year, if they're God-honoring, have a plan. 
Be specific. Don't set yourselves up for failure. And if you're going to be reading the Bible this year, if you're going to be doing this, have a plan and know why you're doing it to be able to live into the life that God has created for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, once again, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation to us. Father God, help us. Help us to understand this revelation. You are so big and we are limited. You are infinite and we are finite. But God, we want to know you more. We want to grow in our relationship with you. We want to discover what it looks like to be successful, your kind of successful. We want to have prosperity in this life. We want to live into this abundant life that, that Jesus, you have created for us. So show us how to. And Father God, help us. Help us to stay grounded in your word. Help us to make you and to keep you the first priority in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.